Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. Today, we're so thrilled to invite Brandon Harvey of Good 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 to share a little bit about good news. Brandon Harvey celebrates the good in the world. As the founder of Good Good Good, he hosts the podcast Sounds Good. He's the editor-in-chief of The Good Newspaper, a printed newspaper full of good news, and he has built an online community of over more than 500,000 world changers. He's been written about in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Men's Health, and Forbes. And so we're so thrilled to invite Brandon into the podcast. But before we begin, I just wanted to give a quick reminder about Summit 2022. Our virtual summit is going to be held November 9th through 11th, and tickets are on sale now. You can still take advantage of our early bird ticket pricing. For more information, go to socialenterprise.us and click Summit 22. Our speaker lineups and panels are forming amazingly. Make sure you check your email to see that information coming out. And if you're not on our email list, go to socialenterprise.us and click Join to either become a member or join a free membership so you can receive newsletters and hop on our email list. Now let's welcome Brandon Harvey. Today, we're so happy to invite Brandon Harvey to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. Yay! Uh, it sounds like uh, goodness is all about what you're about and really um, thrilled to be able to dive into the topic of good news, which kind of seems sparse right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I am super glad to be here and super excited to talk um, about good news and also, yeah, the fact that the world feels very, very heavy uh, right now. And I think it's super valid to feel that way, even though I'm uh, the, the good news guy. So uh, very honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it certainly speaks to the importance of your work. And that's why we wanted to bring you on. So tell us a little bit more about who you are. And you know, how did you come into this work with the good news? Because again, just the heaviness of the world, I think that this does show us and enlighten us uh, in this moment that we need this aspect of good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll give some backstory. Um, my background was as a humanitarian photographer. I had the unique privilege of getting to travel all over the world with a bunch of incredible nonprofits and social enterprises, helping them tell the stories of the good that they were doing. And uh, I just felt like the luckiest human in the world because you know, things feel bad now, you know, in 2022, there's a lot of heavy things. But of course, there have always been heavy things, there have always been injustices in the world. Um, and so I, I would travel all over the world uh, to these, you know, places where, you know, maybe people think of there being injustices there for a bunch of deep systemic reasons. But I was getting to travel specifically to talk about the people working to create solutions to those problems, working to create light within the darkness, uh, and meeting these heroes on the front lines of creating positive change. And so when I thought about these places or these, these issues, I didn't immediately think about 
the sadness or the pain, I always got to think about how people were responding to that sadness or pain with positive action. And as I started to share some of these stories with, you know, more than just these nonprofits audiences, I was sharing them on my own social media. I was sharing them uh, with friends over dinner. Uh, I, I started to see how I think it was affecting people positively in the same way that it was affecting me. I was like, these stories just need to reach more people. Like I feel like embarrassed that these, that these stories aren't like bigger because they, I think are so important. Uh, and that was the beginning of, of trying to figure out what I could do about that as just a, you know, a random photographer who knew my way around the nonprofit space. Uh, what could I do? And, kind of created some trial and error saying, what would it look like to create something that helps people feel more hopeful and do more good to get involved and make a difference in the world and tried out a number of things, tried out social media, tried out an email newsletter, tried out a podcast. All of those things worked. We still have all of those things. They they still are, are, are good. But then I had this conversation with this neuropsychologist named Dr. Rick Hansen on my podcast years ago. And he's a happiness researcher. And he was like, you know, Brandon, uh, you know that all of our brains have an internal negativity bias, just evolutionarily bad news sticks to our brains like Velcro and good news slides right off our brains like a slip and slide. And I was like, uh, no, Dr. Hansen, I did not know this, but this makes a lot of sense. And it's the reason why uh, when you get like a bunch of positive comments on an Instagram post and then you get that one that's like a little snarky, a little rude, a little bit whatever. When you go to bed at night, you don't think about the 30 people who said something positive or the 100 people who com- or who, who hit the like button. You think about that one negative comment because of that internal negativity bias. And the same thing happens with good news. And so I was like, well, maybe what my brain needs, maybe what other people's brains needs is some way to a little bit trick you into absorbing this good news. If our brains aren't going to do it naturally, how can I trick myself? Kind of a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down situation. But in this case, the the medicine is good news and it's something people say they want, but their brains just don't prioritize it. And so that's when we decided to get a little bit weird. Uh, And in the digital age, and, and at the time I was like a social media influencer. And so with my background in digital I decided to do the opposite of that, go analog, created a print newspaper filled with good news called the good newspaper. And my goal was, what if this is weird enough that it grabs our brain's attention? What if this is cute enough that you just have to pick it up instead of, you know, maybe something a little bit darker, a little bit heavier? And what if the inside was dynamic enough that it made you want to just actually read through these stories and to keep this around on your coffee table to remind you of the good in the world and to, you know, hang it up on your wall as art as a reminder of the good in the world. And we have now been creating this for I think a little bit more than four years. And I, I think it's working. At least it works for myself. It works for our subscribers. And I'm I'm hoping it, it will just continue to work for more people. But again, the goal is just help people feel more hopeful do more good. And if we've got to trick our brains into doing it, I'm okay with that as long as we're tricking our brains for good. 
<laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And I love just the thought process behind it and, and the way you've just kind of created this strategy that's like so outside the box and so <laughs> counter, you know, to our so hyper digital age. And you kind of answered a question that I was thinking, but, you know, I was just kind of even wondering, like, how do you break through the noise of a constant 24 hour news cycle? There's just so much content out there. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, being an analog paper helps a lot, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, because we also have a lot of our digital stuff. We've got daily stories on our website. We've got our newsletter. We share a bunch of good news content on social media. <laughs> and it feels terrifying to be trying to compete with, you know, bad news, but also, you know, media companies way bigger than us with way more resources. And of course, you know, journalists are doing really important work. It's really, really good that they're reporting on the problems of the world so that we know what to solve. Um, but for us, you know, we know that we're never going to be huge. We're never going to be bigger than the biggest media company because, um, good news, you know, is, is an uphill battle. Uh, but our goal is just to create a, a community of like-minded people who care about doing good, celebrating good, um, and that we can provide value to those people. So what we try to do is anytime that there's something that's heartbreaking, in the in the news, there's an injustice. There's something painful. We want to just train our community to uh, to be like, you know what? I feel overwhelmed by this, but let me go to Good Good Good's site. Let me go to Good Good Good's Instagram, um, and I know that they're going to have something there. And and we always basically take the approach of we never want to ignore the bad news of the world. I think I think there's a lot of positive news outlets, quote unquote, that that are focused on the absence of bad news, you know, so they might share, you know, a puppy and a kitten playing around, you know, like, like my like basically my favorite TikToks, you know, they're going to share like my favorite TikToks and there's nothing wrong with that. That's super huge, but that isn't going to make me feel more hopeful about what's happening in Ukraine. That's not going to leave me feeling more hopeful about what's happening in, uh, with the state of, of gun violence in the United States or racial injustice or any number of things. Um, the only way out is through. And so we try to intentionally say, well, let's acknowledge these problems, but then let's do what Mr. Rogers' mom told us all to do. Look for the helpers. She says, you will always find people who are helping. So when tragedy hits the world, instead of just saying, here's the problem, we say, let's talk about the problem, but let's also not stop there. And let's make sure we look for the helpers and celebrate those helpers. And then most importantly, once we feel a little bit more hopeful knowing that there's helpers there, I think it's our our duty, our obligation, each and every one of us uh, to get involved, take action and become helpers ourselves. That doesn't mean we have to show up as first responders, but it might mean we donate to the first responders. It might mean that we invest in systemic solutions to something. It might mean that we uh, choose to vote or choose to call our representatives. There's a lot of ways that we can take action after we feel overwhelmed. But I guess to sum up in response to your question, we can't compete <laughs> against all the bad, but we can provide a resource every time that there's something bad. And our hope is that, you know, the more that you tell your body and your brain uh, that when I see bad news, I need to look for the helpers and then take action to do good. Once you can kind of create that as like a, like a pattern, a, a, a habit, I think it, it changes everything. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love everything that you said. I mean, uh, Mr. Rogers, what an icon. He's love just it. the greatest. Um, but yeah, I think as I, as you were talking, I was thinking a lot about, I just really appreciate the work that you're doing because I've been seeing a lot of stuff lately about, you know, toxic positivity and mm. how that can just be so pervasive. And it's, it's the opposite of what you're talking about, you know, because it's kind of shutting down mention of the bad and just trying to live in this state of denial, honestly. And I love that you said the only way out is through, like you have to face the the bad as well and you have to hold it. But here is this way to make it more bearable and more hopeful. Um, and then here, here are the ways that you can take action in order to help be a part of the solution to the things that you find negative in the world. I just really love that. I think that's really important perspective and being able to hold the bad, but also the good and to kind of choose to focus on like, okay, here's the, here's what can be a solution. You know, here's, here's the good in that. So that's really powerful. I feel like I, I think listeners to this show will, will get this more than anybody. When you've got a community of people who are saying, I am going to work to create a solution to a problem. And, mm. you know, I've got a, a yeah. maybe an entrepreneurial plan on how to do that. Not a single person who is working to create a solution to a problem is able to do that without looking at the problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can't just bury your head in the sand, pretend that a problem doesn't exist, and then all of a sudden magically come up with a solution. And so the people that I admire most in the world, the people who like give me butterflies, the people who like make me energized and feel hopeful are the people who are willing to sit with the heaviness of the world. And sometimes, you know, literally, I think about my friends who uh, work in uh, the spaces of human trafficking or in the spaces of, of homelessness. And you're literally sitting with somebody who is really struggling because of a bunch of systemic issues. And you've got to sit there with their pain um, and you can't just immediately move to a solution. It's, you know, like that. that's not what anybody wants. Um, and only by truly understanding this and, and, and sitting there and being present can you work to to create positive change and, and help. And it's a, it's a hard, difficult bit of work to do. And I will forever be on the journey of becoming more comfortable with that. Uh, but in the meantime, I get to elevate the people who are doing that and who have a lot more expertise and experience. I don't know. It's just, it's an admirable uh, feat. And I just, I want to learn from that kind of person. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that Mr. Rogers comparison as well. I remember watching uh, the documentary and it was, there was this really quick moment. It was one sentence and it was like, it blew my mind. And it was almost like buried into the script or the interview. And I had to like rewind it immediately. But they said that Mr. Rogers was actually a very angry person. Mm. Uh, and he funneled the anger into this positive action. So he would see these injustices around the world. He would see racism just be unbelievable. And he got so mad. He's like, all right, fine. Well, we're going to have this cop. And I'm going to wash his feet in the pool with me, you know, or we're going to dip mm. our feet together. And so it's this anger that actually led to these beautiful episodes. So uh, I don't know if our audience knows this, but I host a podcast called Third Place Podcast. And after that documentary, we, we did an episode called Beautifully Angry. And I think that mm. sometimes in our society, well, some of the pain that I see is that we are just genuinely angry. We see, we talked about the weight of the world. So that makes us angry and anger often gets this bad rap to it where it's, it's only about like all these negative things when in fact, anger is this beautiful emotion that can trigger what we see that's wrong in the world. So how do we, rather than take that anger and be mad at the referee for calling game the wrong way, that anger is misdirected. Let's take that anger and put it towards 
these problems that we have in the world. And honestly, I think so many people that are in the social enterprise space are angry. We just haven't quite verbalized it yet and really attached mm. this word beauty to the word anger. Yeah, I mean, Fred Rogers said, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And I think everybody has that choice on what to do. And of course, in that song that he sings and that story he tells, he's talking to kids. And so he's saying like, hey, instead of like hitting somebody, you can, you know, pound clay, you can um, stop doing like lashing out, you know, he's got these things that are for children. But I think if he were talking to adults, he would basically be saying, how can you turn this emotion into something positive? Because I absolutely think that injustices should make us angry. I think um, it's important that we feel those emotions deeply. And Brene Brown says that you can't selectively numb emotion. So if you are trying to push out the sadness that you feel, if you're trying to push away the anger that you feel at the world, you are also limiting your capacity for hopefulness, for joy. And the most resilient activists that I know, the most resilient change makers that I know, the people who are creating the biggest difference, they're also the most joyful people I know because they're able to feel those negative emotions so deeply and turn them into something else. And when they get to that other side of, of having created that solution, then our, I think their brains or, you know, whatever in the universe gifts them that ability to feel those positive emotions so much more deeply because they're not putting filters up. They're not putting shields up. They're allowing everything in. And I think they live a much more full life. And that's, you know, the kind of life that I would uh, want to live. Yep. Yep. Those emotions are there to have a, a voice at the table. And the mistake mm. is only pretend they don't exist. And, um, you know, how do we acknowledge them? And it's, it's really, it's really amazing uh, when we see emotions for what they are and their triggers in all the, the best ways for our responses. I mean, even at the beginning, we were talking about how sticky these negative emotions were. Mm -hmm. Immediately, it just makes me think about the power of the emotional part of our brain being 30,000 times stronger than the logical part of the brain. Wow. So, I had not heard that. Yeah. It's it, the limbic system when we're in fight or flight is 30,000 times stronger. And that's why it's so difficult to have logical conversations when there's we're in this heightened state. So with this work, I think it's like just keep reinforcing the logic, the logic. No, here's the good I see. Here's the good I see. It's why it's so important, why it has to dominate the news that we bring in. I almost feel like news is part of a diet and we need to make sure we have a balanced diet. Like we need mm -hmm. to eat our vegetables of good news right along with the junk food of <laughs> the, the bad. So that's what I always say. You know, I don't want anybody to cancel their subscription to the New York Times. I just want to make sure that once you are reading about the problems of the world, you never stop there. You also seek out, okay, well, who's also creating a solution to this? Um, who should I be thinking of as somebody that I can support in helping eliminate this problem? And I, you know, I never want somebody to just subscribe to good, good, good. I think that uh, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities to make a difference if you were to just do that too. Yeah. Well, I, so I am really curious, being in the work that you do, if there is the story of a reader who's been able to be touched and where you've seen this like ripple effect of your movement and the impact that it's having with other people around the world. Yeah, you know, it, that's, <laughs> that's the thing that uh, definitely keeps me doing what I'm doing because uh, because of this internal negativity bias, actually... This is a this is an exclusive. I just right before this, I got an email from uh, a European 
kind of news platform that helps people find news sources. Um, think of it as Google News, but in Europe. And I had submitted an application uh, for Good, Good, Good to be featured there because uh, we write for an international audience. And they manually review every every source. And I got this email in response. And the person was so nice, but they said, hey, we reviewed your site. We think it's fantastic. We've tried sharing good news uh, before, uh, and the numbers just didn't work out, and we're just not able to accept you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and I, you know, no fault to them. They're making business decisions, whatever. But for me, that was the moment I realized, and I, I learned this long ago, like, we're never going to be this huge company because this internal negativity bias that we all have, you know, is going to prevent this a little bit. And so, uh, because we're never going to be like super financially successful because we're never going to reach a, you know, a billion readers because, you know, we can't get onto this platform. The thing that keeps me going is when readers write in or when we have conversations with our subscribers about how this work is impacting them because they're, they're not quantifiable on a financial standpoint. You know, that's how probably the New York times measures their successes. At least one big part of that is, you know, what's the statement at the end of the quarter on how much revenue they made. It's not going to be our number of views or number of subscribers because that's always going to be smaller than a competitor who's not focused on good news. It has to be on what is the actual impact on people. And I'll be honest, I'm trying to figure out a good way to like organize all of these stories because they just come in randomly and we never have collected them. But I think for me, the biggest, there's, there's two trends that I see from people who reach out. The first trend is somebody saying, wow, I did not know about this injustice or I did not know about this solution. And now that I know about it, it is tugging on my heart. For some reason it is breaking my heart, but also healing something at the same time. And I have to get involved and people basically saying, and so I reached out and I, I asked them if I could be a volunteer and they say, and that was 10 months ago. And now I am full-time staff at this nonprofit. Uh, and I got to quit my corporate job and I feel like I have so much meaning in my life and I get to bring my skills to the table. So that's like one thing that we get a lot of, which is really, really cool that, you know, maybe if they had just read that story in kind of a mainstream news source, they wouldn't have had that hopeful side of things that that gives them the opportunity to get involved. Uh, and, and then they did. The other thing that we hear a lot of is people saying um, that, because one of the things we do a lot of is we, we provide people action steps on how they can get involved in the stories they just read. And somebody will reach out and basically say, thank you for encouraging me to just take one small step. In my mind, it's I think a lot of people usually say, I felt like I had to do something big. I felt like I had to quit my job. I felt like I had to, you know, fly across the world. I felt like I had to donate a thousand dollars and that I couldn't just donate five. Um, and we usually encourage small action steps first. And we, we just know that there's going to be this chain reaction. You know, that first step unlocks something in your brain where all of a sudden you don't feel powerless. And then you can take action and it's just this domino effect. And, and we've told people just do that thing and, and they'll reach out and say, you know, I started by just donating, you know, five bucks, got on this nonprofit's email list, started donating five bucks a month, saw an opportunity to volunteer. Now I'm volunteering all the time. We even had one person who said like, and now I'm moving to Greece to help support refugee resettlement. I was like, that was not, we didn't give that action step. That was not in the plans, but I am so yeah. glad you were doing that. <laughs> and 
And so for me, like, that's the thing that gets me excited is we, you know, we're not the ones who are creating all this change. We're just the ones helping tell the stories and making it more accessible. And just by playing that one role in supporting all these other people in these other roles, we're helping new people create good in the world. And what's going to be awesome is a year from now, you know, maybe we check back in with that person who moved to Greece and we say, how is everything going? We take a journalistic approach to documenting, you know, the work that they're doing. And all of a sudden this person is a good news story. And we share that in the newspaper. We share that on our website and the next person reads that. And then they get inspired to do something. And maybe for them, it's not Greece. Maybe it's, you know, X, Y, and Z. And all of a sudden we just get this cycle where even if good, good, good one day ceases to exist, I'm hopeful that this domino effect will just continue to play out where people will inspire others who will inspire others who will inspire others. And all those people are creating positive change in communities around the world. Wow. It's so inspiring to hear you talk about just the the movement of it and the momentum that it has on like a, a community interpersonal level. So it, it, it's just awesome because I think people are just, they're just waiting for that spark of, Here's something that I'm like passionate about. Here's something that speaks to me in my heart. And they're desperate mm. to find that solution that they can be a part of, you know, because it can feel overwhelming. It feels hopeless when you just look at, like we've said, you know, the bad news of it, but just having that thing that inspires them. And then, yeah, the ripple effect of it all is just, it's just so cool to think about. It's so inspiring. <laughs> We wanted to, before we wrap up, give you a chance to uh, tell our listeners, who I'm sure are feeling as inspired as I am, um, where they can find your stuff, the newspaper, where they can subscribe. Give us all the details. Yeah. You know, the best place for people to go is you can visit our website, goodgoodgood.co. Um, and there you'll find a bunch of good news stories. Uh, we nice. share new good news every day. And then you can also subscribe to the good newspaper. And it's just so fun to get this actual physical newspaper in the mail every month. We all love snail mail. And the hope is that you open it up and, and by the time you put it back down, you feel more hopeful and you're better equipped to take action and do good. And of course, we're also on Instagram and all the other places too, but goodgoodgood.co. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, this has been fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brandon, thank you so much for your work and for being supportive of SEA and giving us a shot of in the arm of positivity. And yeah, just super glad that you're a part of our network and, and that we can continue to support each other in spreading that word and spreading the ripple effect of the good that's going on in the world today. Mm. Well, I think you two are absolutely incredible. And I just love and admire your entire community, a community of people creating good news in the world. And so it feels like just such an honor to be here. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Brandon. Amazing. Again, thanks for being here and let's keep changing the world. <laughs>